0: Hello, my name is Adam.
1: Hi, my name is Johnny.
0: And And we've we've never never seen
1: seen a Philadelphia Philadelphia story. story.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It, the show where we show somebody, anybody, could be an ex-spouse, could be an estranged parent, could be a friend of the fam, a movie they've never seen before, but we feel is critical for them to see. Uh, As you heard up top, I'm joined by Adam and Johnny, and I am Bridget. This week we are covering... (laughs) 1940s, the Philadelphia story. Adam and Johnny, welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So we are, for the next couple episodes, covering some of our favorites. So last week we did Raging Bull, which is one of Johnny's favorites. Philadelphia story, this is one of my top faves. I'm so excited to have you guys watch it. Uh, A little apprehensive. Uh, I guess I'll Start with you, Adam. What do you know about this movie, if anything?
0: Like I do sometimes on this show, I know nothing going in until I do the prep for the actual recording, where I like bring up the IMDb page or the Wikipedia page just to make sure we can poke around and look things up. So before that moment, five minutes ago, uh, (laughs) I knew nothing about this movie. Uh, Though in prepping for the actual recording of it, I did see some of the cast and the, um, not the premise of it, but what it's kind of based on. Okay. So, uh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to necessarily give anything away to Johnny if he also knows nothing or knew nothing, but that's, that's the very little bit I know. A couple of the main leads, uh, and the basic kind of idea or the, Source material, if you will, uh, though I feel like based on the little that I do know, who we're going to show a movie to intro that you did uh, is going to be very on brand for this movie <laughs> <laughs> so I see what you did there I think
2: thank you <laughs> i I try sometimes i have st- <laughs> I'm quicker sometimes than others, but <laughs> what can you do, Johnny, how about you? what's your uh, knowledge base going into this?
1: My knowledge base is a story uh, singular so we're gonna hear one story tonight set in philadelphia
2: yeah it's not a collection
1: about the metropolitan area of philadelphia (laughs) i know nothing i you said a philadelphia story and i immediately thought of philadelphia which i think is just a movie with tom hanks in it
0: It I always get that confused anytime someone brings up the philadelphia story i'm like oh yeah the one where where tom hanks uh has hiv i think but yeah and like denzel is
1: his his lawyer i think i have also not seen that movie wouldn't mind even watching that tonight but here i don't
0: even know what we're watching (laughs) just make sure you select the right philadelphia and your streaming service of choice dude how
1: good would that be you guys come back talk about this (laughs) philadelphia story and i got a whole other story to talk about
2: yeah you're like johnny who was your favorite character I loved Denzel. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's
0: such a good lawyer. Yeah, Tom-
1: juror number eight was the shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tom Hanks' um, physical transformation into a sickly man is—it's uh, one of his best.
1: <laughs> one of the best. Yeah, this is as about as blind as I could go into a movie again, unless we—you were to just like send me a link and I clicked on it, and that was the movie. That's that's about as blind as I am okay. with this one. So, yeah, I guess, Adam, save what you've learned seven minutes ago, I guess, at this point. <laughs> and I guess, Bridget, try to... I'll,
2: yeah, talk, talk I, my way around Maneuver
1: it. and weave your way through this pre-show without saying much.
2: Yeah. I'll say this. There's three big stars of this movie that you should hopefully know and recognize if maybe they're not people that you... Whose films you watch on a regular basis... It's directed by one of the biggest heavy hitters of the nineteen forties, like thirties, forties and fifties, huge director. And it's considered one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. It's like the the genesis of like when Harry met Sally and the sort of like best madcap rom coms, you can say there's threads of it here. Got it. I don't know if you would necessarily put it quite in the screwball territory, but it's it's there and it plays a big role in sort of reviving the careers of one of its main stars, which we can talk about later. But I think it's notable and interesting, but it comes out in 1940. So is this a year that means anything for either of you in film or a time period when you think about maybe movies like within five years that are released any faves
1: i'm trying to think <laughs> which means i'm not silence
2: is like, telling no,
1: which, i'm not thinking currently and i'm trying to think <laughs> um yeah bridget i'd have to like take a like a look at like some listen stuff i know in fact we have watched at least one or two movies within that time period within five years like you say yeah. Um, yeah, um some of
0: the stuff from noir november Last year, I believe, was in this, like, 39 to 42 range. Right. Casablanca is also around this time. Right, right. Because that was during the war. Yeah. I googled movies from 1940, uh, popular 40s movies, Mark of Zorro, The Hidden Room, The Batman, uh, Dark Passage, Superman, The Death Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All those old, like, Fleischer serials and, and whatnot. Um, every single movie that's listed here, I have not heard of at all. <laughs> so I, uh I have nothing. I'm not a big, like I talked about this probably when mm-hmm. we did Noir November and Casablanca and some of these other ones. Like I'm not a big pre sixties movie guy. Like I've seen some of the ones that are the, the classics that you have to see that would have been shown to me in film classes or college or what have you, you know, like your citizen canes and things like that. But it's not a genre that I ever really go back to. And it's not anything I seek out. I've heard of this movie, but I would never be like, oh, I got to watch that because it's a classic. Uh, There's 15 billion movies. Like (laughs) Something about going back to the the 40s doesn't necessarily jump to me. Mm -hmm. uh, But that doesn't mean that I won't potentially still like it because I liked Casablanca. I like some of the noir stuff that we did from that time period. So I'm... I'm ready to be pleasantly surprised with this one.
2: Right on. We tried to cover around February some rom-coms. I brought Moonstruck and Sleepless in Seattle <laughs> to the table. Again, starting to sweat a little bit thinking about this one. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about you guys and how you feel about the genre in general, but maybe just to kind of review, what what are some films in that genre that you enjoy. And what do you look for in a film like that to be successful?
1: For me, my biggest problem with romantic comedies is that it is a movie full of trappings if you will, mm-hmm. where you can like within ten minutes know exactly where the movie's gonna go, where it's gonna land, and the feeling you're gonna have after the movie's over mm-hmm. What I do like about romantic comedies is that they're they're usually pretty digestible they're very light in nature they're not there's it's not like, a heavy-thinking movie is... If I if I don't like it, I'm not going to be pissed because it's usually fairly brisk. I don't think I've ever seen a two-and-a-half-hour romantic comedy. They're...
0: <laughs> they're usually they're get... made by Judd Apatow.
1: Oh, it's right, true. yeah. You know, they are, yeah. I take that back. I have seen... What's the one with Adam Sandler that was, like, three hours long? I was like, what is going on here?
0: Funny people. Funny
1: people. Funny people, yeah. Okay, so that's a rare beast or whatever, but, I mean, typically, <laughs> like... <laughs> I think of ones from like the '90s and like the yeah. mid, like the 2000s and the ones that just seem to be popping out all the time. I don't know. It's it's a take it or leave it a genre for me. I like some of the ones that are a little more like a punch drunk love, which is kind of more dramatic in nature. But I like when it's a little more I don't know real and not so uh, cartoonish and silly. I think sometimes romantic comedies do that. It doesn't feel fairly real. Like the the scenarios don't feel real. Sure. They feel forced, and that's fine because I think inherently comedies have that same trapping. So you're already having half of that problem with with a being a romantic comedy. But I don't know. I don't have any gripe if they're watching any romantic comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: They can be fluffy and just sort of like
1: yeah, at they're times very airy. feel like
2: empty calories.
1: Yeah, it's like fried like a dough.
2: rice cake. <laughs> a
1: yeah, rice like cake a rice of a cake movie. of correct with powdered sugar. <laughs> yeah, a
2: little sweeter.
0: Yeah, for me, usually to for it to succeed, the main characters need to be somewhere in the middle of the the spectrum that I've come to find with romantic comedies, where one or both of the characters are either so hopelessly romantically desperate that they're just like all oh, their friends are getting married and they're about to turn thirty and Oh my God, why won't a man come into my life? I just need something. And they're like really landed on thick that they're kind of desperately lonely. Uh, and then of course, magically, Prince Charming walks into the coffee shop or whatever. But then the other end of that spectrum is that's it. I'm done with love. You know what? I'm just going to take time. I don't even want to see anybody. Like love is canceled. I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> over it. I'm just going to live by myself with my cats and just forget everything about the world and men are trash and women are garbage and everybody sucks. Oh my God, look at this handsome person who I just happened to meet at the coffee shop walked into my life. I guess I'm going to reevaluate my feelings on love. Yeah. Uh, I need them to be more in the middle. (laughs) Those are like the really polar extremes of the like romantic comedy setup. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to kind of get on board with it, I need them to be like Johnny said, a little bit more realistic that's why I tend to gravitate towards the indie rom-coms, not the big Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, because I feel like those typically fall in that tropey area. Like Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle is like pathetically romantic, even though she's in a relationship and she's a terrible stalker. And I've gone ad nauseum about that movie on a show yeah. before. <laughs> um, but I need them to be somewhere in the middle. Like my favorites, like in recent years, just thinking uh, Crazy Stupid Love is a really good one that I like with Steve Carell. And Marissa Tomei, I think, is in that movie. Uh, Julian Moore. It's like a really good – it's a guy who's going through a divorce and he's trying to date. It's this whole thing and it's it never feels as desperate and pathetic as maybe Steve Carell's character is in that movie. But it, it, it feels a little brighter and it feels a little bit more hopeful than that, even in the beginning and like the indie comedies, like things that like Jason Sudeikis would have done in the 2010s sleeping with other people is one where he's in it with Alison Brie is a really good movie, mm. stuff like that where it's, it's a little bit more realistic. It usually takes place in New York or Los Angeles and you know, it's got that city vibe to it. And you know, it's got some of those other elements that I enjoy about movies that can kind of bring me in. You know, there's always the, the ridiculous best friend and then the ridiculous and then the other person also has a ridiculous best friend and they keep trying to set people up. So like stuff like that, I usually find pretty fun, but like Johnny, I think I very rarely walk away being like, well, that was anger inducingly stupid with a romantic comedy, uh, other than Moonstruck and (laughs) other
2: than the ones that I bring to this show, other
0: than the two that we've, we've really watched. Cause I do, I do like them. They're not, They're not top of the list for me, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if I watch one, it it usually ends up being something that's that's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say a problem that I do have with romantic comedies is, like, the way they treat love. It's like – I feel like sometimes, like you said in the beginning, there is some cynical – aspect of it like oh fuck love like someone just gets out of a breakup and it's like i'm never gonna find love again or whatever and they Mm -hmm. just they make so much light of it where i think there's like a real struggle or dramatic struggle with love or finding love or breaking up with love or whatever that i enjoy seeing on the screen more than just lampooning love if you will you know what i mean i think it's fine and it's it's good because love is (laughs) a pretty heavy thing to talk about but that's why romantic comedies i think are the way they are because you don't really want to address the the hard part of that, and you do it by making fun of it for the most part, for most of the movie, and then you f- this said person finds love or whatever. So that's why I do like, I don't know if you've seen the one with, who was the poor kid who passed away a few years ago? Steve Yelchin or what?
0: Anton Yelchin?
1: Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like crazy. I really like that movie. There Same. was Yeah, there was some comedic elements to it here and there, but it was more dramatic in nature. Blue Valentine is on the complete end of the spectrum. <laughs> yes. But, um. Yeah. So It's a that's,
2: great movie, though. It's a
1: great movie, but it's such a hard watch. But I think I, I leaned more. I managed to
2: watch that movie twice. I don't know how.
1: You, you watched it twice?
2: I did. But Years apart. <laughs> Years that's apart. Wrong. I wanted to go back for some reason. Uh, I think because I was right before Brian and I got married. And I was like. Sure. Let me scare the shit out of myself. for a minute.
0: I, I want to feel <laughs> heartbreak one last time.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. But I think another one that I liked a lot, it's not recent anymore. I'm sure it's 10 years old, but uh, 500 days of summer. I liked that a lot because that was fun and airy in parts, but it also addressed love and the issues with it and breakup a little more seriously, but it still had like that DNA of a sort of whimsical ro- romantic comedy, if you will. So,
0: I think um, what works in the ones that you mentioned specifically is that they are more realistic in the problems that the people are dealing with. Like isn't the crux of like crazy if I remember is that like they're crazy in love with each other, but they live in opposite countries, like someone's in New York and someone's in London if I recall. No, so, yeah, like, the
1: the main problem with that one, I think they both go to school together and she like outstays her visa and essentially gets kicked yeah. out of the country and they got to deal with that long distance relationship.
0: Yeah. So that's like a real world problem that, you know, you can try and relate to, even if you've never been through that, like the world pulling you apart is something that I'm sure some people go through with regular everyday relationships. So that feels more realistic and is therefore more engaging to watch as opposed to being someone triumphantly saying I'm anti-love or I'm this, or I'm putting myself out there, all these things. And then going and and getting the exact thing that we know they're going to get in the end anyway. It's more fun to watch people with realistic problems go through things than it is these like crazy fantastical elements, unless that's what the point of the movie is. You know, like um, Enchanted, I would say, is a romantic comedy, but it's Mm. set in this fantastical world and it leans into the fantastical elements of things. So that's fine. But, you know, I wouldn't watch that if there wasn't magic and fairy tales involved like if it was just the king like i want to find love in a crazy new place blah 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 like this is is nothing i don't like this
1: yeah yeah i liked um who's the woman who makes all like the romantic comedies with meryl streep
0: nancy myers yeah i think
1: nancy myers yeah so i like some of her movies because she does something gotta give or yeah okay and she did it's complicated too
0: Mm yeah
1: i liked it's complicated like that's that was a lot of fun, particularly I think Alec Baldwin's hilarious um, in that movie. Um, but also a movie that like really kind of took the time to address issues like split parents dealing with kids and this and that, and um, dating post marriage. But it, it it really depends. I think if it's really super goofy, like like maybe what you're kind of saying, Bridget, then I might have an issue with it later. We'll see. But um, yeah, the way that you describe it though, what excites me is that you say that this kind of like pioneered or like laid the bricks for a lot of romantic comedies that we see now. Um, and I always enjoy seeing the genesis of things regardless of the taste that I have for a particular movie or genre. So I'm excited and I usually am less forgiving for that too, because it's just, it's like a toddler first steps or whatever. It's like, it's not going to run. You just going to start walking, but you might bang his head into a coffee table or two on the way out. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited for it. Like, I, I again, I don't know a hell of a lot about it, but I think you said it's made in 1940.
2: 1940, yeah. 1940. And I m- might want to walk back some of that statement. Yes, oh, about you it being silly see... in nature. Uh, no, it is. It's a profoundly <laughs> silly movie. Oh, okay. Um,
0: gotcha. Great. <laughs> a lot of comedies from the 40s were, though. Like, the second you said Screwball, I was like, okay, yeah, I can picture a movie from the 40s being wacky and over the top Screwball, even if it's not. Abbott and Costello, like it's still.
1: Yeah, I it's think like I love Louisy when you say that shit. Yeah, right.
0: exactly.
2: Yeah, Which is it's not ball, quite. But. Yeah, it's not quite there. It's not like bringing up baby, but it has like these more fantastical, fluffy elements. It has a pretty out there setting. You know, I don't think this gives too much away because it right from the jump you'll know this, but it was inspired by the the person who wrote the play that the movie's based on. Was inspired by his friend who's like a a mainline Philadelphia, Pennsylvania heiress who lives on like a 400 acre estate and would throw crazy parties and had like the craziest love life. And they thought for a while, they're like, let's go film like at her house. Like, let's go actually film there. The studio was like, No, this is too unrealistic. No one could believe that someone actually lives like this. (laughs) So there's there's a little bit of that. I think when I think about this movie, it's considered a high watermark for the genre. And I think it's what a lot of people aspire to and try to ape when they think about kind of different personalities bouncing off of one another and chemistry between leads and just enjoying people on some of their best and their worst behavior. Got it. So I look forward to you tearing it apart in approximately <laughs> 19 minutes.
0: <laughs> but- I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know about that. I'm going in with a lot of optimism for this, knowing the, the very, very little that I know. Uh, but one of the things that I was trying to skirt around that you did just mention, Bridget, is that it is based on a play. Mm-hmm. And so that element makes me think of, What was it? Um, What was the one that we watched where it was the guys did a murder right at the start? Rope. Rope. Yeah, it makes me think of that. We're like, that's all one setting. Very play-like atmosphere. uh, Also an older time period uh, setting. So that's kind of the first thing that came to mind when I saw that. Obviously, that's very serious. This sounds a lot more uh, jovial. (laughs) So I don't think they're going to be a one-to-one comparison. But just that based on a play from this time period kind of gives me uh, some extra optimism, even if maybe necessarily it uh, isn't my favorite genre. Uh, and plus, you know, I love a, a good 1940s accent. So I'm, I'm here for that as well.
2: Oh, if you're get ready for the most mid Atlantic movie you've ever fucking seen in your entire <laughs> life. Can't wait. It's such a treat. I am not sure. Cause I don't want to, Say too much more, prop up too many expectations <laughs> more than I've sort of already have. But do you guys have any questions for me before we watch the movie?
0: When's the last time you saw it?
2: Oh, probably like six months ago. This is this is in heavy rotation. I'll watch it at least once a year, if not more. Oh, okay. So thank God for the TCM hub on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, I was just I was just double checking where it's streaming. I should have known.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. Saw this movie as an adult, but once I saw it, it felt like, oh, like, this is a missing piece of, this is a movie that gets me before I, like, without me, I don't know, just.
0: You don't even know how much it got you. It it, it,
2: it Yeah.
0: The movie found you.
2: The movie yeah. found me. <laughs> and I've just been rewatching it chronically ever since.
0: Well, now the the expectations are sky high. I know. Sorry, I shouldn't have said anything.
2: (laughs) Shouldn't have opened the floor to questions. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, fellas, I guess, what do you have to say for yourselves?
0: Fine. Fine. I'll I'll watch watch
1: it. it.
2: Okay, we are back. We just finished the Philadelphia story starring Katherine Hepburn, Carrie Grant, and Jimmy Stewart. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Adam, I guess we'll start with you.
0: Uh, that <laughs> was I delight- can see your
2: face. Well
0: <laughs> oh, I was I was looking at the, the webcam to see if Johnny wanted to go first, uh, since I'm the only one you guys can see. Um <laughs> but uh no i'll uh, go once uh, again
2: the movie's from 1940 but this recording is from 3040 (laughs) because
0: we're doing it in cyberspace yeah uh that was delightful i had a really good time with that
2: oh yay
0: the uh it had everything i love about old cinema the fast talking the quips the idioms i don't quite understand and had to google uh (laughs) Plus, it had Jimmy Stewart just being Jimmy Stewart. And I I love me some Jimmy Stewart. So it wasn't like a a slam dunk home run. Like it it slows a little bit in the middle and kind of rushes towards the end. But overall, I found myself laughing at stuff. I found myself intrigued by the story. And ultimately, I I, I had a lot of fun with it.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad. How about you?
1: I admired this movie. I didn't. Like it, um, okay. Yeah i I like the witty dialogue. I like the quips, but it just I don't know if I really like that type of storytelling or that type of movie. Just because it's one of those where like throw everything at the wall and hopefully something sticks. And you know, a lot of it's smart writing. It's just it, it's so rapid fire that. And again, I'll albeit I'll I am slightly tired, but it's it's a lot. It's it's just boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, boom, ba boom. But I do enjoy the three leads. I think they're very charismatic. Particularly when you're talking about the connection that the characters have, the chemistry. I mm-hmm. was feeling that in the latter half of the movie. But in the beginning it's kind of like a violent movie. Everyone's punching and pinching each other. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, like the stable tackle and all—it's like what is going on? Everyone's just really rough with each other.
0: Listen, that's how it was back then, man. I everybody guess so. Had, yeah, everybody had thick skin and you know could could take a punch in their evening gown, Or <laughs> right. dressing gown.
1: It's like twenty minutes too long. I think it's yeah, yeah. It's it's not ninety minutes to like two hours, but. Yeah, it's it's a handsome-looking movie, it's fun, it's innocent, and I enjoyed, I think, the latter half more than I did the beginning half of the movie. And there's some good lines that I remember. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, maybe I just didn't get on this movie's wavelength and it just ran me over with its dialogue,
0: but the three leads are good. Fair enough. Was this every bit as enjoyable it, for you, Bridget?
2: Always. Always. And there's different lines that I come away from like each time I watch it like I was really delighted this round by when Mike and Liz get to the house originally and they're looking at all the different phones and how the lines connect to like different parts of the house and just the the property and there's a line that goes to the stables and she just deadpan says well that's so they can talk to the horses but they don't have to bring them inside (laughs) like just like some of the lines that because it's so rapid fire, you don't catch the first time. You like don't even realize.
0: I did rewind but, a yeah. couple times just to make sure I heard what I heard. <laughs> but, <laughs> let me go fifteen seconds back because I need to get this one because that was that was a riot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, everybody's do- doing good work, especially Jimmy Stewart and Katherine Hepburn. Mm. Cary Grant is fairly subdued, but it works.
0: Mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of good facial acting like you can tell yeah i mean the premise of the film sets up that he's most likely doing something nefarious but he does a really good job selling that because you never really Mm -hmm. know quite what his motive is like you know he's pulling the strings but it's not necessarily clear at least to me what the end game of his plan is is it humiliation is it just a breakup is it trying to get her back is it trying to get her name in the paper because it's gonna ruin her reputation you know like i don't know what his goal ultimately is but he does a lot of like side-eyeing when a character turns around that isn't part of his grand scheme like every time uh like george turns around he does this look of like oh i got you like i'm gonna make you do the thing that i'm gonna make you do and you don't even know i'm doing it now, so he's pulling a lot of weight with just his facial acting, even though he's not necessarily saying as much.
1: See, like when I saw that face, I saw like well, like a toddler's face when they pooped themselves and you know, asked, Did you poop yourself? And like he just looks away. <laughs> I just saw that face every time and I couldn't get over that part. I'm like, Okay, here comes the poopy face.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, he's trying to get away with something much in the correct, way of toddler's yeah, trying but- not to let you know they pooped their pants.
1: Right. But he's just not being very <laughs> sly about it. And he's wearing it all on his face. Like kids have the worst poker faces. And it's like,
0: yeah, I may, I may have pooped
1: myself. I don't know. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I mean, thankfully, he does it behind everybody's back. Because otherwise, you'd be like, don't you guys see that? Don't you see that he just like winked and nodded? And <laughs> right. <laughs> After saying like, I really like you. You're a good person. Wink. <laughs>
2: okay. How do you guys feel about the plot? the plot device is basically our main female lead, Tracy, is getting married for the second time. And her ex-husband invites a writer and a photographer from a tabloid magazine. And everybody has to kind of play along And how these characters interact in the hours realistically before the wedding itself. Do you guys have you said, any strong feelings about like weddings as a plot device?
1: Not, no, not really. I, you said it's based on a play, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like the way like a play is set up, like chess wise, like pieces in place and weird incidental roles and uh, people coming together like that. It it felt like a like a a play. Well, one obviously it takes place mostly at the house, so it feels inherently like a play. But no, I don't, I don't mind weddings being and what turns out to be like a trope of a lot of romantic comedies is that setting um uh, being at a wedding. So that that didn't particularly bother me. The device is fine for me, but I think what really just kept me going with the movie is just I mean everyone just l- looks great and they sound great and it's the movie has a nice spirit to it, but I don't know it 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 got everyone into the same house and then I kind of for- forgot about it, to be honest with you. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I mean, the wedding is just, it's the most generic device and it's pretty much forgotten, like Johnny said, immediately, only to then come around at the end for the the big finale. But yeah, I mean, as far as a romantic comedy setup to get a bunch of different random people together, a wedding is going to be the easiest way to do that. It's a tried and true method for a reason, because it's believable. It is the coming together of two different groups of people that within them have several other splinter groups of people. So you're always going to run into someone that you don't know. It makes sense that this person is a stranger, but is around. The pretense of, oh, he's the brother's friend, but the brother can't come because he's in Brazil. And oh, they're really reporters. Like I'm glad we kind of got that out of the way very quickly. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact that Tracy pegged them as writers for spy magazine, like immediately. <laughs> like, did she immediately saw through, uh, the, the whole charade of it to be like, no, 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 no. I know what this is. You probably got them from spy magazine, Dexter. You're, you're just the, you're the same slide piece of crap. You were way back when, two years ago. I know exactly what you're up to. You're trying to ruin this with paparazzi and a magazine guy. Right. And he's like, I mean, yeah, yeah yeah i won't lie to you i'll come clean but it's only because your dad's dating a floozy that's the only reason i did it so i i was glad they dropped the pretense of it because that made for the movie to like kind of move along as opposed to being hung up because if it had done what it did when the tracy and dinah first come out and they're putting on the act of all acts it was going to get really difficult to watch very quickly having it just be that one scene was like okay cool the kid had their fun the girl had her fun everybody looks ridiculous we're we're moving on we're we're off to we're off to the library we're off to wherever we're we're good
2: yeah there's not a lot of time wasted on the like oh but will they find out it's like everybody kind of knows what's going on and we can just enjoy the fact that everybody's trapped in the fishbowl together
0: yeah because i feel like um, newer movies might fall into this trap a lot of like okay we set up this contrivance we have to stick with that otherwise people will be like well you just set up this thing and then you threw it away like no no no, no. we have to stick with the lie and the ruse and then we'll have a big third act blow up where everyone realizes the ruse mm. uh, and that'll that'll make for a great a great twist in the end. It's like, no, cuz we all know it's a ruse. It's not a twist if everybody that's watching it knows what's going on. Can we drop this, please?
2: Right. Instead the twist gets to be like, did she sleep with Jimmy Stewart the night before her wedding to marry some drip named George?
0: <laughs> <laughs> some drip. Some brand new high society heel.
2: <laughs> yeah. I it is funny. He is such like a drip, you know, cuz I knew that this movie, before I'd ever seen it, you know, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart. And so when George shows up, I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> like, like <laughs> What? There's a third guy? Ugh! He's just so like, why, why are you wearing new pants?
0: Yeah, to go riding. Why again.
2: would you want a, a photographer in your house, you chump?
0: he just wants to be famous he doesn't care how he gets there yeah he's a glory hound Mm -hmm. yeah because when I when I pulled it up the one thing that I saw besides based on a play and the three leads was that it was ex-husband and group and I was like oh okay so it's gonna be a love triangle thing with Cary Grant the ex-husband and Jimmy Stewart the new guy oh wait it's not there's there's Drippy McGee over here but not in the good way. The kids say it now. <laughs> yeah. But in an annoying, slow, leaky faucet kind of drip. Not cool fashion sense like the youngins.
2: No. <laughs> He's zero trip.
0: I mean, the riding ensemble was good. It was a classic stream riding ensemble. But you need to read some dirt on that. Yeah.
2: This can't be your first day at the stable.
0: <laughs> Even if it is, roll around a little bit. Maybe he did that on purpose, or maybe he wanted to be tackled. He's like, hey, she's gonna "Yeah, she's going to trip me and climb on top of me in front of her little sister and her uncle. This will be fun. <laughs> uh, Dinah. Dinah. Dinah's a, Dinah's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> I like She them. is not she isn't. <laughs> when she came in on those ballet shoes, like, arms outstretched, the worst ballet, like, tiptoe walk I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, oh, this girl's got it. And her whole piano dance number being like, I can sing and play the piano at the same time. Can you do that, mister? I can do that. All right, I got it. This, this girl's a hoot.
2: I like her line that at some point, someone's like, come on, Dinah, let's go eat lunch. And she says, I can tell things are getting excited because I'm being taken away. She's <laughs> like, like, the right amount of precocious, which All maybe is too said. much. If you're Johnny.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like how all the adults kept trying to correct her on her speech and be like, No, don't use that word. That's a dirty word. Use this word instead. Where it's like, don't say stinks, say smells, but only if it's necessary.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a blow or a strike with the other one.
0: Yeah, she's like, What if he socks her again? Oh Which socks is just her, like, that's it, yeah. Why are you getting excited at the prospect of your older sister's ex husband punching her in the face? <laughs> which is that's a that's a weird take like i know you like i know you like dexter uh he's a handsome man he's got money you know i i get it but why are you excited about the prospect of this domestic violence here <laughs> but then the mom being like don't say sock say strike it's bad enough
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah strike is an ugly enough word as it is yeah that that'll do
0: I would have loved a couple more of those. Just like every time she opens her mouth, she says something that's a little rude for a 11 year old 1940s girl. And just to only be corrected by a, another more ridiculous word that is no longer <laughs> used. Sadly, we didn't get it though. We take a back seat.
1: Yeah. You get some good stuff from the, uh, I'm confused now who was Uncle Willie or yeah. the father. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of him now. Roland Young, I believe, is the one. Was yeah, he uncle. the one who, re- who was in like the little horse buggy with her at the end?
0: <laughs> yeah. The, sh- the tiny <laughs> pony basket?
1: <laughs> yes. Fantastic stuff there.
0: I laugh so hard when it's just a little girl inside just a wicker basket being pulled by the tiniest little pony horse, like show pony horse.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so upper class. It just drips upper class. Little pony basket? Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's the rich it's the nineteen forties rich person equivalent of like of power wheels where it's like oh, oh yeah, or,
1: she, or like a Segway to get around your mansion,
0: yeah, it's like oh don't give the don't give the youngest their own horse and buggy, just give them little Sebastian in a basket they were born in, just give her that, and she'll ride around <laughs> the grounds all day, <laughs> she'll have ever so much fun,
2: <laughs> yeah, oh uncle Willie,
1: was that uncle Willie, yeah. Okay, it was
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, because right. yeah. while him and the dad look identical, to the point I got very confused.
1: Yeah, that's what I they mean. Could, like, it's the, the same person to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and they were switching a Ruin, and they all have this—I'm assuming it's his brother, not the mom's brother, because they look exactly the same. Uh, otherwise, okay, that's that just makes it more confusing if it's not. But he was pretty funny. Yeah, he was He's good. Old perv.
1: <laughs> he did have one of, like, the best lines— I mean, I, I rewound it and, and wrote it down because I think it's such a good line. But, and it comes right before he gets on that little pony basket <laughs> thing. Uh, he goes, this is one of those days that the pages of history t- teaches us our best spent lying in bed. <laughs> what a great fucking line that is.
0: Yeah, next time you're hungover, you got to use that.
1: Oh, I'm going to use it tomorrow morning when I have to go to fucking work. <laughs>
2: Now all of the hangover loans are so good because there's another one that like the butler greets him at the door too, and he's like, "Good morning, sir." And he's like, "Don't yell at me in my own house, <laughs> just, like in a regular tone." Right? Of voice.
1: How dare you strike that tone with me?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's whispering. Yeah. <laughs> when Jimmy Stewart walks out, he's like, "I'm just testing the air." It doesn't agree with me. I like it, but it doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to test that, that morning hangover air.
1: See, I enjoyed the lines where, like, they were fleshed out and given air to, like, breathe, where others felt like I was watching almost like an Aaron Sorkin movie, where it's just, uh, the things are, there's no chance to sort of, like, digest it or laugh at it. It just, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. So I enjoyed more of those, like, more elegantly spaced out lines, like the one about the history, and there's another one where the photographer's getting her nails done or something. And she goes, a little too rough? And goes, yeah, but I'm used to it. Like,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just, So again, I, yeah. there are funny things happening in this movie. And maybe this is a case of me uh, not being like smart enough to digest it fast enough. Or I just enjoy that humor a little more than the quick stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, those clearly seem like lines that were designed for the applause break in the play. It's like, okay, you're going to say... I'm used to it, and then everyone's gonna roar and clap, and then we're gonna move on to the next scene. So, like, just give it a second before you shuffle off stage in the dark.
1: Right. So, I mean, I really only had chance to, like, snicker or smile at certain lines, and really just... You know what I mean? That's how I kind of viewed most of the movie. Kind of, like, just admiring it, smiling. Where are those other lines, those bigger lines that give give you time? It's like, that shit's kind of
2: great. <laughs> Again, when they're all... On the patio, and they're like, we need an eye-opener, which is also just a fantastic <laughs> concept. <laughs> <laughs> and Uncle Willie, yet again, the mastermind, is like, well, I know something that'll make an Irishman's eyes crack wide open at a wake. Like, bring someone back from the dead.
0: Oh, I got it right here, because this was the one, the one that I rewound was. to write down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect.
0: He goes, do "You like? do you know the recipe for a good eye-opener, which I had to look it up. There are several uh, different recipes for eye-openers. All of them are alcoholic. One of them was like Irish whiskey cold brew and something else. Other ones have fruit liqueurs and things. But he says, do you know the recipe for a good eye-opener? And he goes, I know an eye-opener that'll pop the pennies off the eyelids of a dead Irishman. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, hold on a second. I have to hear that again. (laughs) Because I don't understand it because in the context, I don't know what an eye-opener is. But I need to hear this again. Because he's <laughs> popping pennies off eyelids of dead Irish people. Like, give me that again.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so rich. What a rich image.
0: So rich. <laughs> I want to be affluent in the 40s in Pennsylvania. Sounds like so much fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a good time. Like, it's a movie that, for me, I, like, I just want to bounce around this house for a little bit.
0: There's plenty of room to do I so. want
2: to be Dinah. Yeah.
0: Hmm? (laughs) yeah you can go from the what was it the the north parlor to the north northeast parlor to the south living quarters by way of the living room (laughs) (laughs) in that moment too where he's where uh jimmy stewart's walking through the house just scoping things out when he comes uh, across the dining room table adorned with jewelry and gifts and polished silver and all these things. And he's just picking stuff up. And that Butler just stands there staring at him for what feels like five minutes. I was dying because he's just slowly backing away. He puts the bracelet down. He puts the spoon back. He opens his coat to be like, I don't even have anything. I didn't take nothing. Look, I'm just, just walking around, just getting a lay of the land. And the Butler does not move, just stands there staring.
2: Yeah. I also like he's in, it's Jimmy Sh- Stewart in the shot, just looking at the dining room table. And then he pauses, and we just have a little pan to the left, and it's clear the butler's been there the entire time, like, silently <laughs> oh, <yeah. suddenly laughs> not saying anything.
0: That's just good situational comedy. Yeah.
2: So, can I tell you guys a little bit about the background of this movie?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Awesome.
2: So, Have either of you ever heard the term box office poison before? We'll start there.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: So in the late 1930s, Catherine Hepburn has been on the scene for a while. She's been fairly successful. She's been nominated for an Oscar at this point. She's in a contract with the production company RKO, and she's making a lot of money, but She's had a run of, like, not successful films. And at the same time, there's an op-ed published, basically, like, in a trade magazine, talking about these actors like Catherine Hepburn, who command really high salaries, don't produce movies, like, their productions don't make a lot of money. And this was actually put out by the Independent Theater Owners Association because during a time when there are a lot more links between the movie studios and then also the theaters that put out the movies and the op-ed is called wake up in all caps, exclamation point, Hollywood producers. And it basically goes on to rail against all these performers. They're predominantly women like Marlena Dietrich, Mae West, Catherine Hepburn. And it's basically like, these guys command such high salaries, but they don't produce it. It's not worth it. You're ruining movies by keeping these guys in contracts where they don't deliver. And some people suspect that it was the studios and this trade organization kind of working hand in hand because the studios are like, we want to offload these unfashionable broads pretty much. This gives us an excuse to do so. So at the same time, Arco starts presenting cheesy B movies, And this is what they would do when they would want to offload someone of like, I'm just gonna give you shitty work because it's the studio system. It's not like you can go to MGM or 20th century Fox. Like you're locked in with us and you can only work what we give you. Fortunately for Catherine, she comes from a pretty well-off family. Like the character of Tracy Lord is like ridiculously wealthy, but it's not a stretch for her to play, right? So she buys herself out of her contract with RKO. And it's like, I'm a free agent by I think nineteen thirty eight she decides to go back to Broadway and just do theatrical productions. And the author of the play actually writes the play for her, like has her in mind to star in it. She bankrolls the production of it and she foregoes a salary. And she says, "I'll just take a per off. it's it's if it's successful. The production is hugely successful in its original play format it grosses over a million dollars which is huge it like people go bananas they have to tour it hugely successful she at the time is dating the aviator himself howard hughes he buys the rights to the play for her and gives them to her it's like his sort of final like goodbye gift to her right before they break up
0: it's his true love so
2: yet. now she- it's yes it's it's, it was mighty yar but so yar. she's then able yeah she's then able to use that to negotiate her way back into hollywood so a year after she's been exiled mgm comes to her and was like we want to buy the rights to the movie and she agrees to sell it to them for less than it's worth but she says i will have controlling like production like i will have Executive control over who the director is and who you cast, and then is yep. able to like catapult herself back into like stardom this way.
0: Yeah, it looks like it was $250,000, mm-hmm. wow.
2: like which is not a small amount of money, but it's still not necessarily what it was worth. But again, she says, I'll forego the cash for creative control and points on the back end. Yeah, I mean and according
0: according to the Wikipedia, the film earned two point like three seven million dollars in the US and Canada and another close to a million elsewhere and had over a million dollars in profit. So for a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar rights purchase seemed to be a pretty good return on investment for the uh for the studio. Right.
2: Um and they also, you know, her in a contract and she goes on to be continually successful and it's a big success for Jimmy Stewart. He wins the best actor Oscar this year. I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting sort of story of someone like flipping the studio system on its head. Mm. All right, like you don't like it? That's fine i'll I'll find a way. I don't necessarily need you and granted, it's because she comes from money and she has an essentially billionaire boyfriend too. but There is something to the sort of Catherine Hepburn mythos of, like, no one else would have had the moxie to kind of get it, make it happen and say, mm.
0: Right. Especially being a woman in 1940. Like, the fact that anything that she did was successful against all of the men who were trying to stop her is a testament to her fortitude. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's crazy, though. Good for her.
2: Yep, She's such a hoot. I just love her, so.
0: (laughs) And we got a good movie out of
2: it. We have a, mo- a good movie, and then more to come, too, because you get the stuff that comes after this woman of the year, African Queen, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Like All of those movies would just not exist in the same format, were it not for Philadelphia Story.
0: The movie's a trailblazer. What can you do? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so Bridget, what's the story with the production code on this? Because I'm just glancing over the Wikipedia myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So...
2: Not too much. Like, something I meant to ask you guys about too, you know, like, divorce is a part of this movie, which I think is interesting. I don't think you see it in like a lot of typical romantic comedies, right? It's usually two people who think they're never going to find love and then they find it with each other, right? But because of the Hayes Code at the time, it would have made a sort of love triangle like plot impossible to film so a way for them to get around it is for tracy to be able to have this I- existing history with Cary grant because that's her ex-husband and she can make out with jimmy stewart because she's not married yet she's technically a free agent and then she can still get married to her original husband at the end of the movie and it all then it all is able to be copacetic. So that's the biggest thing with the the Hayes code in this movie. But there are a lot of like divorce style comedies that come out at this time, period, because it allows you to be a little bit looser with the morals. Mm. It's not like two virgins getting carried away in a night of passion. <laughs> right. It's like mm. eh, a couple of lost causes. Oh well.
0: Those damn matrons. <laughs> yeah. And I was quite surprised when it seemed like obviously Tracy is divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's clear from the outset when she gets shoved to the ground.
1: <laughs> oh my sp- god, I'm like what is this movie right from the start? Dude.
2: Also, Catherine Hepburn loved filming that scene. She just made them do it over and over again cuz she loved doing her own stunts and like her own like pratfalls and stuff, so like that just out the doorway. They did multiple times
0: trailblazer
2: just for a laugh
0: <laughs> i got a good laugh out of it i was a little worried we were in for a silent movie because that whole first <laughs> like prologue is just like a jaunty little silent movie tune which i love and it's gonna be the interlude for the episode <laughs> uh, but i was like oh oh no i didn't know it was black and white although i could assume but i is this gonna be silent like is there just gonna am i gonna see a dialogue screen of like and I'll hit you again too, you know. <laughs> what are we? What am I going to get here? <laughs> so out of nowhere for the opening of a movie,
2: right? Yeah. How do, how do you guys feel about the Jimmy Stewart flirtation?
0: Um, I was I was sad for Liz during this uh, while mm-hmm. he was while he was doing all his flirting because I really like Liz as a character. Yeah. She has some of my favorite lines uh, in the beginning, and I was really sad when she kind of just got. Dropped away and wasn't there during all of the ridiculous shenanigans. So that's what I was mostly thinking about. Is like, oh no, dude, you got Liz. Liz is a cut up, you know. Liz is Liz has got quips for days. Come on, go back to Liz. So I was I was pretty focused on that <laughs> during all of it. Uh, but it was I mean it was sweet. You know, they had the nice moment in the library where they they kind of let their guards down a little bit because they're both so guarded at the beginning of. Oh, she's just a yuppie, idiot, high society, you know, terrible person. Oh, and he's just a stuffy tabloid reporter who doesn't know anything about real life. And he just wants to meddle in other people's businesses. But then they let their guard down and they get to have a little fun. You know, the party, everyone's having fun. They're dancing. It, it, You know, it was kind of sweet. I'm glad it didn't work out for them. Right. It's
2: fun to watch, but you're not ultimately rooting for them.
0: No. And that, like... It comes so late in the movie that I'm just yeah. like, no, don't do this now. Uh, we were almost out of here without any of weird, unnecessary conflict that I don't like. Like there's still obviously the underlying whatever Dexter's got going on. Let's focus on that. Let's not throw a wrinkle in of they're gonna maybe sleep together or do stuff in the pool with each other. Like let's not I don't wanna do that. Let's just go back to Liz. Go you let them canoodle in the pool. I don't I don't wanna see this. <laughs> My note in that moment when they kissed was, oh, poor Liz.
2: (laughs) She's okay, though. She gets it.
0: She's
1: a toughie.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'd claw her eyes out. (laughs) Unless, of course, she were getting married the next day.
0: That was a stone cold line. Like, yeah, let him. He's just drunk and we're going to be together in the end anyway. It's fine.
2: I do love Jimmy Stewart when he's got like, he does good moon eyes. He doesn't have a lot of movies like later in his career. He does a lot of Westerns and stuff. But this early period where you've got It's a Wonderful Life and "Shop Around the Corner and this where you get to see him like kind of moony over a lady. I'm like, God, you're really good at this. Mm. Did you just you had to get out of the game? You were too good. (laughs)
0: Leave some ladies for the rest of us.
2: (laughs) Jesus, Jimmy, slow down. He's a very good job playing drunk.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that scene at the uh, the house with the uh, the ex-husband. Yeah, yeah already his name's already escaping. Oh, right? Dexter, Dexter's
2: C.K. Dexter Haven.
1: Yeah, and he's just walking around touching things, and he walks over to the gun case. I'm like, oh God, no!
0: <laughs> Big ass rifle out of this unlocked just china. Just a million
1: guns in there. I'm like, oh Jesus.
0: Another he's like, I have the hiccups. Could I have some more of this champagne? <laughs> <laughs> that should take care of it. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah, he like
1: he's all drunk junk getting into the uh, the chauffeur's car or whatever, and he's like, he's like, where, where at the house? He goes, the front entrance.
0: <laughs> I loved follow that ca- follow that taxi cab. What taxi cab? There's no taxi cab. That was a joke.
1: <laughs> it was such a bad joke. <laughs>
0: I laughed when he said it, and then I laughed yeah. when he abandoned it. Like it, it was just <laughs> as funny when he abandoned the premise of his own joke to be like, "Don't worry about it. It just take me to take me to Haven's house." Yeah, yeah. yeah his drunk hiccups were good. I I love how he was spinning yarn and weaving a tale about the uh, the publishing guy and whatever improprieties he had in Boston. But he's like setting the scene, and he's standing over there, and then he trails off, and Dexter's like come on, this guy in Boston and the Peace Award? He's like, oh yeah, that's right. I gotta tell you about the Peace Conference.
2: There's a moment later when he's with Tracy and he's sitting in the chair and she's pushing him and spinning him and he just goes, wee!
0: <laughs> Mid- <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Stops, right. <laughs> stops mid-story of whatever he was doing just to enjoy the moment. And I, yeah, I gotta respect that.
2: <laughs> At any point, did you two think that they had done the deed
1: no i don't think so
0: um a little part of me did just because they were nude uh, Mm -hmm. underneath their robes so i I, it seems at the very least they went skinny dipping which you know if you were having a little cozy kiss in on the veranda and then went skinny dipping i i could see how george put the pieces together in the way that he did but i'm glad it didn't happen that way
1: isn't it insinuated that he kind of did because they never went originally swimming together and he the swimsuit was too big?
0: Well, Am I wrong I in saying was, that? Well, I don't think he was wearing a swimsuit the second time.
1: Well, that's what I mean. Like, I think the first time he wasn't even wearing a swimsuit when he came out with the robe.
0: Oh, he he left because Dexter came over and they started fighting and he called her a queen and a goddess and, and all that. And so he was wearing the robe and he just ducked out. I don't think they ever even went swimming. Got gotcha. you. But yeah that was a But I guess if you were to say that
1: if he did go swimming, which they insinuated they did, he probably wasn't wearing anything doing no. it. Yeah.
0: No. But I guess that's easier to come back from than the uh the other thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Correct.
0: <laughs> you know, if it's just two kisses in the in the in a drunken stupor, uh that's I guess a little more easily forgivable than coitus in the pool. Next to the true love boat.
2: Yeah. I do like the turn of like Tracy slowly realizing the night is coming back to her and she's realizing that something has happened between her and Mike. And there's the moment where he says, I, I must have lost my watch. And she's like, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but later when he's like, no, nothing happened. I wouldn't do that. There's rules against that. And she's relieved for one second. And then she's like, well, wait a minute. Why not? (laughs) What are you saying about me?
0: She's got an ego. I mean, Dexter's not wrong. Her dad's not wrong. She's clearly, you know, high on her her own supply. Her dad's a
2: little wrong. Her dad's actually 100% wrong.
0: (laughs) He's a real prick about it. But in saying that she's like his, I didn't understand his whole like, if a man cheats, it's because his daughter doesn't love him enough. I'm like, no, I don't think that's right. Like the yeah, only no. thing that keeps a man from straying is having a daughter. Because then he thinks about what he's doing to that woman that will happen to his daughter, and he's like, Whoa, okay, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Uh, well like, yeah, why don't you go talk to
2: Dinah? Let's <laughs> Why is this Tracy's problem?
0: Dinah's too young. It, she she can't uh, she can't stop her dad from cheating. i guess with flappers in new york city (laughs) can't she can't stop it she's too young she's too precocious she's too worried about catching smallpox to stop the wedding yeah his whole spiel was out of control i was like dude calm down okay so you're you're not with your new york city girlfriend like it's it's not your daughter's fault if anything she's trying to prevent that from becoming a huge scandal like slow your roll (laughs)
2: And she's totally right to be like, "Fuck you! How dare you come back and try yeah. to throw your weight around like you run this house?
0: It go run shit!"
2: Yeah, go back to your ballet dancer and her shapely legs,
0: flaunting. Uncle Willie's got
2: see. this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Uncle Willie's a little jealous. The way that he was uh, fawning over Liz, That's he was true. up in her face and being like, "The the best was the reveal of all right. We're putting all our cards on the table." We know you're reporters. We know you're not friends with Junior. I'm the dad. That's Uncle Willie. And she's like, Well, that if you're the dad, that means that you're, and he's like, available. <laughs> and then he grabs her ass.
2: <laughs> There's so many unsavory characters and there are unsavory moments in this movie, but I cannot help but be charmed and delighted by it. Like, Oh, Uncle Willie, you cad. <laughs>
1: Hey, doesn't yeah, he pinch, like, three different asses in this movie?
2: Yeah, but his nieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tracy, she's a hard ass, but sometimes you need to be. <laughs> Maybe this is but, like I'm like, she's not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is wrong. I mean, I can see it from the standpoint of no one probably takes her very seriously because she's a rich kid. So, like, already, you're fighting an uphill battle to have any kind of credibility in the world, because everything is just literally handed to you. Like, we see at least three different butlers, a security guard, a maid, like, you're so isolated and protected and spoon-fed, how could anybody take you seriously? So she has to have that, like, gruff, I-can-take-it-look-at-me kind of facade, Mm -hmm. but... She does get a little uppity on her high horse of like, look at me, look at me, look at me, everybody pay attention to me. And only when she gets told of that, that she has any kind of introspection, which is nice, that she's just like, oh, fuck, is that really how I come off? I thought I was just being playful and fun. And everybody liked that about me. But I realized that's the only thing they liked about me is that I was confident in myself. But how could I not be? You know, I got this face and I got this thing. And I guess the only thing I don't have is the, what did her dad say? The understanding heart, which was like, dude, fuck off. Like, yeah. How could you say that to your, your own daughter, who seemingly has done nothing to deserve that level of disdain?
2: Yeah. Even the mom is like, shut up, Tracy, like during that moment. <laughs>
0: well, because she's got her husband back. she's She immediately falls right back to... Yeah.
2: dude, she flips so hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, she Dina wasn't 100%... She wasn't 100% against him even in the beginning because that was my – that was the thing I was – I started telling my thought and then I trailed off into a different thing. Um, but I thought they were saying that the mom and dad were divorced as well. So yeah. I was going to be like, wow, there are a lot of divorced people in this 1940s movie. I didn't think that happened like that back then. Uh, but it was just she – she was just waiting home for her wayward sailor to come back home. Yeah. smart up. So as soon as he did, she's like, well, I got him back now. He's all mine. He's never going to go to New York with a floozy again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting dynamics there, though. of like, well, Tracy, why would you be mad about it? And like.
0: Because my dad's cheating on my mom. Like, What do you mean? Yeah. Why am I, Why are you not mad about
2: yeah. it? Yeah. Because I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you.
0: <laughs> Johnny, how did you feel about the the happy ending?
1: I mean, now that I think about it, I mean when we talk about it, like him kind of hooking up with her at the end was like a little late in the game. In the moment, I just didn't know where the movie was kind of going. I guess to its credit, it was kind of confusing me a little bit where it was going to go and I was happy where it landed. But for a while, I was like, oh, this is probably just going to, she's going to run away from this wedding and uh, go off with Jimmy, whether it's not uh, a wedding or just going somewhere but and being with him. But I was pleasantly surprised that it kind of tur- it it twisted it at the end.
0: Yeah, I was glad when she said no cuz I was like oh thank god he can be with Liz. This is what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, but Liz's I was a little his face
2: was like devastated too.
0: Yeah. She's like, "Oh fuck. I let him I let him get away. I let him break up this marriage and then he's just going to stay with her. Damn it." What was I thinking?
1: It does seem pretty hurried though, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: I'd be critical of 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 it all, it just like maybe cut out like 10 or 15 minutes of the stuff before and fleshed it out a little bit more maybe, but it seems kind of quick or abrupt at the end.
0: Yeah. That was kind of how I felt about it. Cause it was just like, okay, George leaves. That makes sense. There was infidelity, even though it was the, the light kind, <laughs> uh, but he's gone. Cool what are we going to do? Oh, no, please don't get married to Jimmy Stewart. Like That would be wrong. I don't want that to happen. Please don't let that be the end of this movie. Oh, okay. Jimmy's with Liz again. And oh, it's kind of nice. Dexter came back, even though every time he spoke to her in the entire movie was with the most disdain in his voice. And the way in which he said red was like, he's going to murder this woman. He hates her he absolutely cannot stand her the way he's like red you know red i can't believe you red
2: (laughs) i think there's a little bit of affection there like of of just like i don't know who you think you're talking to red but we've known each other a long time
1: i mean no pun intended i read it as a little bit of like ownership like i still i still have you got girl you know what i mean like you're still mine i have this little thing where i call you red no one else calls you red so i felt like there was a part there where he was just like announcing to a group that i have this little thing with her and you guys don't
0: yeah i mean he even says to george when he punches when he punches jimmy stewart uh, macaulay mike he's like hey what are you doing why are you punching him he's like well that's my wife at least for one more day (laughs) right
2: Oh, that's another good line. That reminds me. Jimmy Stewart is like, why, why'd why you do that? And he's like, well, I figured you'd want me to do it rather than George. He's like in better shape. He's way more fit than I am.
0: Sorry. It was a raging bull punch anyway. True.
2: <laughs> another black, two black and white movies in a row.
0: I know. I feel like I have to pick one for next week now. Yeah. I have to find one you've never seen that I really love. It's also in black and white. <laughs> it's a tough ask.
1: <laughs> Is there like a silver edition of a Marvel movie you love?
0: That'd be great if they did a, a, a black and white. <laughs> like they did, did, with
1: Mad, they did it with Mad Max, I think, in some other movies fairly recently.
0: Yeah, Mad Max did come out in a black and white version that did look pretty good. I also saw an article today that somebody recut Tim Burton's Batman as a silent film, and that's in black and white, I think. Yes. So maybe we'll that's watch, interesting. We'll watch been- that
2: one seeing that on on twitter fits <laughs> and pieces
0: yeah like i know you guys have seen batman 89 but have you ever seen it silently in black and white because that's my favorite version i can just lie <laughs> 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 yeah ultimately even though the ending did feel rushed though i i was glad that everybody kind of landed where they did and that the wedding wasn't that there wasn't like a wedding scene that it just cut to the tabloid guy showing up with his own little camera, and everyone being like, "Oh no, he's here with a camera." I didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> right. And then we just flipped the pages of of Spy magazine to see the the spread and the the layout. So I thought that I thought that was sweet because yeah. everybody ended up where they should. George is gone, which is what we all wanted. <laughs> yeah,
2: get out of here,
0: yeah. yeah. Liz and Mike are together, Dexter and. And uh, what's her face are are together. Everybody's fine. The mom and the dad are happy. All these random guests that apparently none of which were George's family are all happy to be here.
1: (laughs) It feels like a play. We're a play. You get all the main players into the room at the end. It just says it feels like that. So, yeah.
0: So everyone can rush to the front of the stage and and get their flowers. Right. (laughs) Right. A couple of other favorite lines I had uh, both from Liz in the beginning. Uh, was when they march into the uh, the publisher's office and Mike's going to give him a piece of his mind and really tell him what's what and that he's not going to work the society pages or whatever. And the guy's like, you hate me, right, Mike? And he's like, no, I, I dislike you, but I don't hate you. And he turns away, he's like, you hate me, right? And she's like, I'm a photographer. I'm too poor to hate people. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't afford to hate you. I need a job. It's like no, it's okay. You, you can do that, right? You'll you could be undignified. It's like you know, you know, it's undignified. An empty stomach—that's even more undignified.
2: <laughs> this is only vaguely relevant, but the dirty <laughs> pants made me think of it. So Catherine Hepburn wins. I think it's four or five Oscars total, but she never attends the ceremony. She never picks up. Like she never like is there to like receive her Oscar. She only attends the ceremony once and that's to present like a special award to someone else. But she was so like flip about the whole process. Like she just showed up in regular clothes, like pants she had been gardening in that were like covered in dirt (laughs) and the Academy producers were like, you look filthy. She's like, "Well, these are the pants I have. What are you going to do? Make me change?" And they like painted her pants black like moments before she went on stage. <laughs> like that was the solution so that you couldn't see like she was covered in dirt.
0: That's hilarious. That is so awesome. Again, power move,
2: dude. So can you imagine? Like, I like my pants. Like, yeah. just like fuck you! I'm not well, doing it. you giving
0: anything. me a golden man. Like, can I just wear whatever pants? Like, why do I gotta? <laughs> Why do I gotta fix everything? Like let me just let me just show up. Yeah. That's well, how you get it, people to watch the Academy Awards. Just have people show up in their regular everyday clothes.
2: Right. Like, I wanna see Timothy Chalamet. Like, what do you what are your pajamas like? What's going
0: on? <laughs> oh no, see he's he's a young person. He's got drip, you know.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But a year where no one is allowed to hire someone to dress them.
0: Yeah. That's what I want. See, I want to see, like, Leo DiCaprio show up in a Star Wars t-shirt and a plastic lightsaber being like, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever. Like, give me a give me a statue.
2: Yeah. Yeah, everyone has a budget of $100. <laughs> see you all at Nordstrom Rack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to fire this email off to the Academy real quick. Yeah. My guys, they figured it out. No more fan votes. No more nothing. Let him show up dressed like normal human beings. Like, you know, the paparazzi photos where they're getting coffee, let them get an Oscar with those. Yeah. I want the schlubby Academy Awards next year, please.
2: Yeah. Please include the clip of the dancers presenting best costume nominees. (laughs) Like we need more of that as well.
0: Yeah. So in my brief uh, Wikipedia scrolling, as we were uh, discussing this and, and looking at it beforehand, I do see that there is a remake. That is also a musical. Yes. Have you seen this, Bridget?
2: No, that's none of my business. (laughs) (laughs) That is not something. Because it's Grace Kelly,
0: Bing Crosby. Yeah, no. And and Frank. Uh,
2: No, not all. uh, It's fucked up because all three of Grace Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby a list in their own way but in comparison to this original trio
0: i might as well be direct to dvd
2: <laughs> really truly like it's like yeah. Yeah. it's like yeah it's like when your mom tells you she got lucky charms and you go into the pantry and you see the big bag of like dino bites and you're like you fucking <laughs> lied to me
0: you i've one been job. bamboozled <laughs> Don't, those aren't pots of gold marshmallows. Those are dead Irishman eye pennies. I know <laughs> the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know knockoff marshmallows when I see them. Oh,
2: yeah. Nice no, try. I, yeah. I, I, t- sorry to high society. No, it's not. I don't need Frank. I don't need Bing.
0: <clears throat> got Louis okay. Armstrong doing the music. It's got like a lot of... <laughs> high caliber stuff here it's got it nominated for best scoring of a musical a musical picture and best song it didn't win either but it's got some pedigree behind it but yeah i mean it's not no one would say that bing crosby and grace kelly are on the level of katherine hepburn jimmy stewart and carrie grant
2: no um, i like i wish you could see my uh, my camera was working so you could see my face
0: <laughs> when i asked the question
2: just like <laughs> just even thinking about it like, it, I'm trying to find an appropriate reaction right now. Just
0: I wonder how it would play as a musical, though. I feel like it takes all of the fun out of it if it, if you have to go into really contrived dance numbers and songs.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, no, we, we're going to hear singing right now. Not like, Oops. oh, no, but like, oh, we're about to hear singing. But
0: No, oh, no is the appropriate response. That yeah. would have been, been weird and super out of place in this movie.
2: Yeah, not not necessary. And, like, just this movie depends on the chemistry of its leads and the the various personality that they they each bring to the table. And, like, Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly, and Frank Sinatra, maybe Frank you could say is the exception to this, have talents that don't lie there, if that makes sense. Grace Kelly is a movie star because she's, like, very beautiful and like icy, but she's not she's not yar, we'll put it that way. <laughs> They're not yar enough to be in a Philadelphia story.
0: We're making adaptation. this
2: comeback. Yeah.
0: We're going to make yar happen.
2: <laughs> we got to make yar happen. Yeah.
0: Move over, yeet. There's a new term in town.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that we
0: we're the people to do it.
2: We're the people who can make that happen. Yeah, for sure.
0: I'll send an email to Tim. He'll he'll get it. He'll get it started. He'll help me out.
2: Yeah. So, having sat with the movie for a little bit longer now, do you guys have any final thoughts? Adam, I guess I'll start with you because I can I can see you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. No, I mean that I, like I said, I I had fun with this movie. I loved the quippy dialogue. I love a good 1940s accent. So I was, I was right at home in this movie. I thought all the leads were wonderful. It had some really worthwhile side characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Though in a rom-com, you need to have good side characters because a love story or, and this isn't even, it's a, it's a rom-com in the sense that it's about love and it's God, but it's not. It's not your typical or what is now a typical boy meets girl, boy falls in love, girl falls in love, what have you. It's really just a, like it's a, it's its own thing that I, I can't really compare it to anything else, mm-hmm. uh, which was refreshing for a movie that seemingly jump started the genre or is a very early example of a really good part of the genre, but yet doesn't feel like it was the template that every other movie tried to copy. Maybe if I watched some 50s ones, there would, that would be the case, but at the very least, like it, it felt fresh and original, which in a genre that gets tropey, uh, was, was, was refreshing. So I, I liked all the leads. I liked all the side care. I don't think there was a single character in this that I didn't like other than George, but I think that's kind of by design. Right. Cause he's, he's just there to be not there in the end like <laughs> he just has to come and go uh and get kicked to the curb because nobody in the movie likes him everyone's like really that dude like are you sure because like you're you and that's that dude uh right we sure Have you about thought this? about marrying
2: your ex-husband again though yeah how's he
0: doing yeah you know like clearly <laughs> you, we'd love to see him yeah you know you you got divorced you you maybe played the field a little bit You. You you settled pretty hard. Why don't you take another lap around the uh, the old bar, huh? See if there's any familiar faces you might want to reconnect with. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> or a new one. Hey, who cares?
0: Yeah. You know what? Jimmy Stewart's a good looking guy. I mean, you got to fight Liz, and she might scratch your eyes out. But you know, it's a possibility. You could at least go skinny dipping. I mean, give the guy a chance. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's a single character in this movie I didn't enjoy everybody gets a fun line or a fun quip or at least a memorable scene. Like the dad is a prick, but at least the scene is memorable. Uh, and so that's, that's really all I could hope for and ask for in a, in a movie like this. So yeah, I stick by my original thought of this. This was delightful.
2: Awesome. Johnny, how about you?
0: Uh,
1: it, the movies is has aged well for me, just in conversation and talking about it, but it's not quite my movie. I like, uh, Again, like I said, the rapid-fire dialogue, although witty and smart and well-executed, um, it just doesn't ring. It's just a little too uh, surreal, and not like it. It just it seems it's just really silly. It, it just <laughs> if that if that makes any sense, it's very lampoony in nature. But to add Adam, Adam had a lot of valid points. It's it's almost hardly like a romantic comedy. It just it's a it's a, comedy in general that happens to brush up against a weird dynamic with the wedding and moving pieces and the three leads are great and I always enjoy a movie that can capitalize on one location and explore that different areas of the houses and everything. That's really cool. The pool house is really cool. I forgot to mention that earlier. I oh, like yeah. just the the multiple doors and it just it's awesome. But yeah, I think I didn't really get on this movie's wavelength as I wanted to. However, it did make me want to seek out other C- Catherine Heppard movies, watch you know more Jimmy Stewart uh, movies as well. Again, it's hard to be super critical of this movie because it is so innocent and airy, despite its length. But it's it's fine. I admired it.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad Adam that you found it delightful, and Johnny, you found it less so, but it at least <laughs> has opened the opened the door maybe for some other. Turner classic movie, Oh yes. stalwarts to to slip in.
1: Mid Atlantic classics.
2: Some, some Mid Atlantic <laughs> classics. Some staunch characters mm. to to come to the come to the table. Thank you for coming on the ride. I guess. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for RSVPing yes to the wedding. Put it that I way. I wouldn't,
0: wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Remember, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of the Philadelphia story. What are some of your favorite Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, or Jimmy Stewart movies? Let us know what other movies from this time period you really enjoy uh, as we all seem to want to watch more of them uh, let us know on facebook and twitter at broken clock pods Uh, but once again for fine i'll watch it my name is adam
2: i'm bridget
0: and i'm johnny and thanks so much for listening